great Christmas, great New Year's with your family and friends. Uh, obviously, I wasn't here last Sunday morning, took the week off at the end. But uh, we hope that your friends and the people that you invited to our Christmas services, and specifically Christmas Eve, enjoyed uh, what it is that we presented. I love the candles this year. I uh, love the music, just a lot of great things. I do apologize for those who couldn't find a seat in the first service only, but we did find that three were necessary, and so we're so glad we offered that so that everyone had a seat. Uh, there are a lot of people that volunteer an enormous amount of time on a regular basis, so I hope you encourage them when they do that. I thought that particular day on Christmas Eve, uh, Justin and I get paid to do what we do, but a lot of people in the sound, the nursery, and the tech side, the band side, were here from 1.30 in the afternoon on Christmas Eve until 9 o'clock at night. And it was the same group. So uh, if you see one of them, if you remember who they were on that particular occasion, say thank you very, very much. We appreciate that. It is hard to believe, though, isn't it, that we turn the calendar and you're already writing on your checks 2013. Like 2013. Now, for us, it's a milestone year. Uh, as of this week, I officially completed 35 years of ministry officially in the Christian Missionary Alliance. In December, thank you. Thank you. And you're all going three more, right? Three more. Seriously, three more. In, in July, we celebrate 40 years of marriage. And in September, I turned 60. So when I sent out my Christmas letter this year, I said, I'm just hoping to get through 2013 because it is a milestone year uh, for us. For all of us, it seems like we were just discussing Y2K, right? The turn of the century, the turn of the millennial. And, and now, for me, to be honest with you, the 1990s seems so far away. I mean, 1990, that was way back there. And all of a sudden, here we are in another time, another event, another year. Time, to me, is an interesting commodity. Sometimes it drags on. I mean, you know you're in the wrong job. When you're looking at your watch and you're saying, oh, Lord, it's not even 10 o'clock yet, and you already thought it was the end of the day. But time for a lot of people drags on, especially when it's a draining day, and you wonder when it's ever going to get to that point where it's to finish the day or finish the year or finish this job or, or whatever that may be. And for some of us, it flies by so fast, you cannot believe that it's another year. When you turn your calendar over to another year, and you take them off the wall and you put that new calendar up that you got for Christmas or our youth department or wherever it may have been, do you ever wonder, maybe like me, maybe not, what the year is going to bring? I wonder what it's going to be like this year. And there's everything in between the new family member that you're going to add either through a wedding or through a birth to an empty chair at Thanksgiving. Now, I'm not morbid by that at all. I, I just always look at life and I wonder. What is it going to be like? What's God going to bring our way? What new family member is going to come to a certain family in our church, either through a birth or through a, a, a wedding, and who won't be here this year at Thanksgiving or Christmas dinner? How many of you are expecting to add somebody to your family this year, either through a wedding or through a birth of a child? we got a few. And all of them are exciting. Some of you are hoping that you're going to have the birth of a child or a wedding this year, and others aren't sure what the year is going to bring. A lot of people take life as it comes. Others, what will it be like? And they worry at every turn. Some have a laissez-faire attitude about life. What will be, will be. They even spiritualize it by saying things like, well, God's going to do what he wants to do anyway, which is true. But at times that can keep us from 
interacting and connecting with God about the events of our life when he so longs to hear from us. He wants us to ask. He, he wants us to talk to him about the uncertainties of life and the events of our life and the ups and downs of our life. He wants to connect with us. One of the best books I've ever read in the last number of years, Brother Andrew and God Changed His Mind. Brother Andrew is the author of the book, and it's an old book. It's been around a while, and he certainly has as well. But it talks about those things that so often so many people say, well, what will be will be. God's going to do what he wants to do. Why ask him? What do you want God to do? Where would you like God to intervene in the circumstances of your life? Now, there are a lot of people who go to the other extreme and worry about everything. At every catastrophic event, they think the sky is falling or the end is near. Do you know anybody like that? That at every catastrophic event, either the sky is falling or the end is near. Now, I grew up when people actually had those placards where they would run around in major cities, the end is near. Nobody does that anymore that I know of, but there are a lot of people that live like that. And obviously, at every major event over the last 10 or 15 years, there have been a lot of people like that. That at every major event, they, 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 they're just sitting around, even when things are going well, sitting around waiting for the shoe to drop. Well, I know the sun is shining today, but it's going to storm tomorrow. Well, true. But they fret and worry about everything. Now, to be honest with you, there's a lot to worry about. There's a lot to wonder about in the day in which we live. Kids in school used to have to deal with chewing gum, passing notes, smoking in the restroom, and the pressure to drink. Now they've got to deal with teen pregnancy, suicide, bullies, assaults, gangs, and guns. At times at the most unlikely places like an Amish school or a quiet town in Connecticut. I want to publicly commend the Butler School District and school districts like it who have taken active measures to protect our children. We wonder about everything, and we wonder about events like this in any community. We wonder about the economic collapse and the inability to, of Washington, D.C. to fix anything. I mean, do you ever wonder, could, is there anything that they could fix or agree on? Do you have any idea what $16 trillion looks like? Any of you know what that looks like? Any of you have that in your bank account? I mean, that's just still, when I hear that figure, it either means nothing to me or it overwhelms me that we continue to be that deep in debt. $16 trillion. Let me give you a visual. Just a quick 50-second visual of what $16 trillion looks like. For those of you who got your Christmas stocking with $100 bills in it, that's what 10000 looks like and a million. That's one trillion. blows you away, doesn't it? I mean, that's what it is. 
Well, it's easy to find a number of things to wonder and worry about. The world's in a mess with wars and potential war everywhere. You watch the news on a regular basis, you certainly have seen what's gone on in Egypt, you see what goes on in Syria, where hundreds, sometimes thousands of people have died. 61 people died in a stadium in the Ivory Coast watching fireworks after a New Year's Eve when everybody stampeded out. And I've been to that stadium in the Ivory Coast, and that's why it obviously stood out to me. You see what goes on in Iran, and obviously the uncertainty of that, Israel and Palestine. Now, for those of you who didn't come in worried this morning, <laughs> I apologize because I've given you some things to wonder about. But what do we do? Well, Peter gives some great advice that he gives us in the context of speaking to leaders, but it's appropriate for all of us, especially living in we do with an enormous amount of uncertainty. First Peter chapter 5, we're going to return back to our study for the next number of months, beginning today and all the way through to the spring until we're done. In 1 and 2 Peter, we return there today to 1 Peter chapter 5. Now, I, I found it fascinating when I finished a few weeks ago before a Christmas series and realized where we would pick up today to the very verse that I would land on. And so that's what I want to share with you this morning on this beginning of the new year. Feeling anxious? Don't worry. Trust God. Be happy. I'm going to read the entire context, 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 to 7. The highlight is verse 7. To the elders or leaders among you, I appeal to you as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's suffering, who will also share in the glory to be revealed. Pastor Ted talked about that a lot last Sunday morning, the sermon on the resurrection power. The shepherds of God's flock that is under your care watch over them, not because you have to, but because you're willing to, as God wants you to be. Not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve. Not lording over it those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you'll receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to those who are older, the elders. All of you, now he's speaking to all of us, clothe yourself with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud and shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he will lift you up in due time. Now here's the key verse. Cast, how much? All your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Cast all your what? Anxiety on whom? Why? We're done. Go home. Don't you wish the pastor would just do that every once in a while? A couple of weeks ago when I dismissed you so early, there were everybody in every department in our children's ministry was panicking because they had no idea it was Christmas weekend. I got all these things to do, and I let them out a few minutes early. I'm thinking, what am I going to do? Just keep going and going like the Energizer Bunny, hoping that everybody stays. But thank you for staying anyhow. There are a number of things that I want to point out in this particular verse, but three I want to concentrate on this morning. Number one, the audience. Number two, the advice. And number three, the author. The audience, the advice, and the author. First, the audience. Do you remember when we began this series a number of weeks ago when I told you that Peter is writing to people who are living in very uncertain times? Incredibly unpredictable days. They're in exile. Peter began by saying to God's elect, exiles scattered everywhere many are far away from one another they're far away from home they're going to go through or have gone through or will go through a significant amount of suffering 15 different times in these five chapters peter talks to them about suffering i mean it's one thing to mention it a few times in a long book of romans like 16 chapters but five chapters 15 different times he talks to these people who are in exile about suffering 
Do you think he's going to make a point? Do you think he's trying to make a point? Do you think he's trying to prepare them for some really catastrophic events in their life? Over and over again, he said, I want you to be ready. I want you to be prepared. I want you to know what you're going to go through. First chapter, verse 6, for a little while, and it's one thing to say a little while after you've gone through it, but when you're going through it, it doesn't seem like a little while. For a little while, you'll have to suffer grief of all kinds, of every kind imaginable. Most theologians believe that Peter is writing this particular book near the very beginning of Nero's reign, and Nero is probably one of the most well-known persecutors of Christians. Who, by the way, is the one believed to have executed Peter just a few years after he wrote this? So he was actually writing to himself as well about what he was going to endure. Now, I say this not only to give you some information and some context and some background, but for this main reason. I never want us to dismiss the Word of God as irrelevant or failing to understand our circumstances. I never want us, in any context at all, to ever dismiss the Word of God as irrelevant or failing to understand our circumstances. You see, sometimes we think, cast all our anxieties on Him because He cares for us. For us, that's way too easy. I mean, this sounds too easy. I mean, that's great advice if I'm living in Mayberry, and all I have to worry about is Andy and Barney running down the street, having a lot of fun, and everything is okay. But in this dog-eat-dog world where I don't even know if I'm going to have a job next year or if many can even find one after they graduate or if my health will be what it used to be or will ever be what it was at one time, I'm afraid even to send my kids to school. You see, that's different for some people. It's one thing to say, cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you when everything is going well. But when I'm worried about life and uncertainties and my health and my family and my job and my career and the list of concerns and worries and dangers and uncertainties is endless, it seems overwhelming and I totally get that. But what you need to know and what I need to remember, and believe me, I'm on the other side of one who looks at all of this stuff and says, when I look at all of those things, I am, I am just simply saying to you that this advice is given to people with an enormous amount of concerns and unbelievable uncertainty, but I need you to understand the advice stays the same. Whether you're living in Mayberry RFD when things are going well and Andy and Barney is the only people you have got to deal with in life, or you're dealing with so much uncertainty you have no idea what this year is going to turn, the advice is actually absolutely the same. Cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Let's look at the advice for a minute. One thing that's intriguing about verses 6 and 7, humble yourselves under God's mighty hand that he will lift you up in due time. And cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you is that Peter sums up some very similar teaching of who? His master Jesus. One of the very first sermons that G Peter ever heard Jesus deliver was in Matthew. Do any of you remember? It's called the Sermon on the Mount because he was sitting on a mountain. It's not like Jesus said, hey guys, come on over here. I've got the Sermon on the Mount for you. Sitting on a mountain, sharing incredible amount of thoughts. At the end of chapter 6, he said, look, I, I, don't worry about life. What you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, about your body, what you wear. Life's more than food and body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow, they don't reap, they don't store away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. 
So does my wife, by the way, 20 pounds a week. Aren't you much more valuable than them? Can any of you worry? But, but could any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Then why worry about everything? Why worry about your clothes? See how the fields of the flower grow? They don't labor, they don't spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his splendor wasn't dressed like one of these. Is that how God clothes the grass of the field, which here today and gone tomorrow? Will He not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So don't worry. What we're going to eat, what we're going to drink, what we're going to wear. For the pagans run around after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Seek his kingdom, his righteousness. Everything else needs to fall in line underneath that. Or as it says here, all these things will be given to you as well. Don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow has enough worry about itself. Every day has enough trouble on its own. The word cast that Peter uses here in verse 5, and I often, every time I read scripture, especially one of these authors that I know were sitting at the feet of Jesus, I've got to believe that in the back of his mind as he's beginning to write this verse, he's hearing that sermon that Jesus delivered on that day. He'd only been away from it from a few year, for a few years, and he remembered the magnitude and the, the power of the words of Jesus. Everybody flocked to him, couldn't get enough of him, couldn't wait to hear him. And when he's writing this word, cast all your anxieties on him, don't worry about anything. I've got to believe in the back of his mind is this sermon. The word cast in 1 Peter chapter 5 obviously means to throw. You see, it's not enough to acknowledge the existence of worries, concerns, and anxieties. It is what we do with them and what we allow them to do with us that is the issue. Peter's advice, throw them on God. Give them to him. Lord, I don't want to carry this anymore. It's too big, too large, too tough, too uncertain. I don't want to carry this anymore. It's yours. I'm just simply going to do what you tell me to do in Matthew 11. Come to me. All you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I'll give you rest. So come. Give it to me. Anxieties are along the lines of the things that really eat at you. Not just the normal everyday issues of life, but the things that eat at you, things that cause your stomach to turn. Again, God's advice, bring it to me. Two reasons. Verse 6, his hand is mighty. Verse 7, he cares for us. He really does. But your ability and my ability to cast all my burdens on him is totally dependent upon my belief in those concepts, that he really is able to get me through it, that he is absolutely powerful about everything, and he really honestly does care about me. You see, it's not only enough to know that God loves the world. It's not just enough to know that God cares about the world. I need to be reminded every once in a while that God cares about me, my issues, my concerns, my health, my job, my future, my family, my kids. One of the things that we encourage parents to understand every time we have a, a baby dedication, they come up on the stage and we talk to them about this gift that God has entrusted into their hands and we remind them of, of what that sacred trust is all about and how responsible they are to make sure they do everything they possibly can to raise that child in God's sight. There's another aspect of that baby dedication that sometimes we need to call a parental dedication. And that is that I need to be reminded as a parent that God is in charge. Once I've committed this child to him and once I have 
been entrusted by God to him. I'll do my responsibility. I take my responsibility seriously. But in a sense, I know God's going to call him to do things that maybe I wouldn't have done or go in directions that I wouldn't want him to go or have life choices in the careers or, or military or the ministry or whatever that may be that, that I have a hard time taking my hands off of. But I've got to remember that dedication. And that is not only did I understand that God trusted me, but I trusted him. Right? The only way you and I can honestly do the first half of verse 7, put all our cares on him, is our absolute confidence in the second half that he cares for us. Our ability to cast all our anxiety on him is totally dependent on our belief that he really does care about us. Believing that he really cares for me is much easier to humble myself under God's mighty hand and much easier to live out, verse 7, cast all my anxiety on him because he cares for me. But I'm telling you, as sure as I'm standing here, my ability, your ability to cast all of my anxiety on him is absolutely critically dependent on my belief that he cares for me, that he loves me, that he understands my circumstances won't take me through anything or allow anything to happen that he's not with me in. They have to go together. Otherwise, you'll carry all your anxiety and you'll take it with you till the end of time. Third thing I want to point out in this section for a minute is not only the audience that he's writing to and the advice that he gives, but the author himself, and that is Peter. I don't, I don't think I'm wrong on this at all, but I honestly don't believe that Peter was always like this. I mean, you know him. He's the impetuous one who always had something to say, made promises that he couldn't keep, worried about everything. Even at the end of ministry when Jesus was about ready to leave and he's talking about the future and what that was going to look like, Peter's worry was John. What about John? Jesus said, what is that to you? Don't worry about that. If I keep him here till I come back, that's fine. Don't worry about it. But something changed in Peter. I believe, to be honest with you, as sure as I'm standing here, that Peter took Jesus' advice because I know I read it in the word in the book of Acts. He took Jesus' advice after the resurrection. He said, I want you to go to Jerusalem, and I want you to wait. But not just sit and wait. I want you to wait for the power of the Spirit of God to land on you. And then you'll be my witnesses. I honestly believe that Peter is stating verse 6. Humble yourself under God's mighty hand, and he will lift you up. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you because of what happened after that incident when he totally, completely, willfully surrendered himself to the power of God's spirit. You read the Peter in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Peter in Acts, and they're totally different people. One of the reasons, absolutely, the power of the resurrection that Pastor Ted talked about last Sunday morning. The other reason is what happened in that upper room when those guys committed themselves, submitted themselves, completely, absolutely surrendered everything. The power of God's Spirit in their life. You're not going to live out verse 7 by willpower. You're not going to live out verse 7, cast all your anxiety on him by singing songs like, the sun will come out tomorrow. You don't live out verse 7, and I cannot live out verse 7 without an honest, total surrender to the belief that God does love me, that God does care about me, 
that God's hand is absolutely powerful to walk me through any uncertainty of life, that he will never leave me or forsake me, that he will empower me to handle any difficulty in any circumstance. He will never, ever, ever let me down because his hand is that strong. You don't live out verse 7 without complete and continual daily surrender to the will of God and the hand of God in your life. So, maybe none of you are worried about anything. So I wrote a note to myself, what are you worried about? What are your fears for 2013? What holds you back from complete and total surrender to the will of God? You know one of the best times to do that, to talk to God about that, to have a discussion with him about that? You guessed it. Communion. Not only because we celebrate it once a month here and it reminds us of the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross of Calvary when he gave his all so that we could have life. There's a fascinating series of events that took place. And Peter witnessed it. At the time, but he witnessed it and he saw Jesus go over to that rock <clears throat> and Jesus prayed a powerful prayer. I often wish it's somewhere recorded and I can't wait to get to heaven to see the extent of it because what's recorded in scripture is so short and I gotta believe it was longer than that. But he made a powerful statement. Remember what it was? Lord, is there any other way? Well, that's an honest admission that this is gonna be hard. That this road I'm about to head down is really gonna be difficult. I got to believe that was one of the longest pauses in heaven. We see it in Scripture as one single verse. Lord, is there any other way but not my will but thine be done? But I've got to believe there was a comma so wide you could drive a semi through it. As all of heaven waited for that moment because that moment was one of the most pivotal moments in all of humanity, in all of human history, in all of spiritual history. And then he said, I trust you. Not my will, thine be done. One of the greatest times to talk to God about the concerns of life and the issues of life and the worries of life and the wonderings of life and whether or not I really do trust him and whether or not I really do believe that he'll get me through everything and anything and whether or not I honestly have surrendered everything to him is holding these elements in our hands that remind us of his surrender to the will of God and his gift to us of life everlasting and a promise that I will absolutely never leave you or forsake you. So this morning, the gentlemen are going to come. Justin, maybe a team is going to play quietly behind us. They're going to serve you. We're going to ask you to wait till everyone is served so that we can share it together. It's only going to take a couple of minutes. If there's somebody beside you. There's a lot of gaps here. I get that this morning, so try to help those with you. Everything's in one tray. If you've never been with us before, we're honored to have you this morning. And as they pass it out, you help the person next to you and wait till we're all done and then we'll share it together. And then I'm going to talk to you about um, one more thing. Kind of cool to be the church long enough that you can see a father and then his son now serve communion with him and see him grow up. So what are you worried about? Maybe nothing. And that's okay. It's great. But I hope during those moments together with God, you share with him, talk to him about full surrender trust, absolute confidence in his ability to walk you through every circumstance in life. We all have them. I know I do. So 
lay them at his feet. His body was shed, was, or was broken so that you and I could have life. His blood was shed so that we could have forgiveness. The combination of the two are unbelievable gifts that God has given to all of us to share them together. Father, I hope we never forget how amazing your grace really is and how wonderful it is to be able to trust in you for everything. I thank you for life, for the lessons that we learn along the way, for the things that you teach us, for the journey that you have us on. I trust that as each year rolls by that we become more and more in tune with your voice, understand more of what you're teaching us, deepen our walk with you. The joy of our journey becomes more real and lasting and enthusiastic. So we give you this year of 2013 with all of its uncertainties. And we trust that it's a year where we really do deepen our walk with you. We grow in wisdom. We are intentional in relationships, serving you in a variety of ways. We are seeing ourselves changing, growing more and more like Christ day after day because of our confidence in you and our trust in you. Thank you so much for loving us, for giving your life so that we can have life, have it forever, and have it now. Enjoy our time with you as we learn and grow. In Jesus' precious, powerful name we pray. Amen. A few weeks ago after the massacre in Connecticut, the governor of Connecticut came that day and he said, evil has entered our community today. He was absolutely right about evil. But it was in that community and communities all over the nation long before that day. And next Sunday morning, I want to talk to you about that very subject. Peter, in a few verses, says some of the most powerful, monumental things that it would be easy to slide over them because we see them as almost a farewell or some last statements at the end. But he talks about our enemy next Sunday morning in the next verse after the one we just shared with you that I think addresses a number of issues about where we are today in our society and in our world. And I cannot and have not been led at all to pass over that too quickly. And so we're going to spend at least next Sunday morning talking about that very subject, the subject of evil. And the enemy is out to destroy, not just trip up, but to destroy. And uh, I'd love to have you here so that we can discuss that together. Again, there are a lot of great information and a lot of things to take advantage of in your bulletin. Family experience, 10 minutes after now, finished right on time. For those of you who have known uh, Brad Opus as he's grown up, tonight he leaves for a special forces training. And uh, family's asked to pray over him. So if you know Brad and would like to join us, uh, that'd be great as uh, we come up here in just a moment and pray for him. If you need other prayer this morning, uh, please come and seek someone out. Jimmy will be here for a while. A couple of our elders can do that with you as I pray with Brad and his family. But uh, God bless you. Have a great, great day. And uh, I look forward to seeing you next Sunday morning as we celebrate together.